So Father, we do want to begin by, by just praying that you would encourage us, give us confidence, that you would put people on our heart to invite along to our Easter services. Father, I pray that you'd be preparing people's hearts already to, to receive that invite, that they respond positively. And ultimately, Father, we pray that people would hear the message of the cross and the resurrection and put their faith in you and be saved. And so we pray for a harvest of this Easter, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray this morning that as we sit in your presence together, sitting with a promise that when we gather in your name, you're here amongst us. I pray that you would bring your word to life in us and through us and within us in every single way this morning as we explore it, Father. I pray that we wouldn't come in and go out unchanged by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we began a series last week uh, called It Is Finished. And so the, the, the title for this series comes from John chapter 19, verse 30. This is John's recording of Jesus' last words on the cross. It says, when he'd received the drink, so he said he's thirsty, they, they lifted a drink up to him on, in a sponge on a stick. And it says, when he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So this series is exploring what is finished through the cross and the resurrection, what is accomplished through this pivotal moment, these three days that our entire faith is centered around. And so Easter is an opportunity, as we, we, we say, we always remember the cross and the resurrection, it's always central to our faith, but, but Easter is a time on the calendar, it's an opportunity for us to keep coming back and to remember uh, what was accomplished by Jesus through his cross and resurrection. And so this morning we're going to be talking about being made alive in Christ. It should actually be made alive with Christ, but I didn't read the passage carefully enough before I asked Alex to do the graphic design for this series. And so this morning we're actually talking about being made alive with Christ. Um, but I actually want to begin here this morning. If you're on Facebook, you'll know this. If you're not on Facebook, you won't know this, that usually when you log in for the first time in a morning, uh, Facebook wants to show you a memory from the past and it has this little thing at the top that says we care about your memories and and and, and so we just want to throw this up there this morning and so um, during this week this is the memory that Facebook showed me first thing this is from four years ago and it's essentially Facebook saying remember that time you took your kids uh, to the park and bought them an icy pole and, and it's causing us to remember and to reminisce and so what they're really trying to do is tap into our human emotions and uh, lead us to spend more time on Facebook. Because um, Facebook didn't invent the idea of remembering and reminiscing. It's, it's tapping into our desire to reminisce about the past. Tapping into our desire to recall past events. And, and so our passage this morning begins with Paul encouraging us to remember. Just as Facebook said to me, uh, essentially... Remember that time that you went to the park with your kids and bought them an ice block and um, that was great and it was fun and uh, actually this is the, the repeat of an opportunity to do that because we got halfway there and had to go back and, and Josiah for the, uh, the next several weeks is like, can we go to the park and get an ice block because we didn't get there before, he's got a good memory um, and so we finally did it and so this is the photo to celebrate that. There's a whole story that goes with that moment in time. And so Paul does that for the church in Ephesus and he does it for us. But Paul doesn't say, remember that time you went to the park with your kids and bought an ice block. 
Paul begins today's passage with a memory from the past that's perhaps a little bit less fun. He says, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. This is the thing that Paul wants us to recall. He says in the first few verses that Veronica said for, read for us this morning, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, he says, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest of us, we were all deserving of wrath. And so the memory that Paul wants us to bring to life, the the thing on Paul's Facebook feed for the church at Ephesus, is remember that time when you were dead. Remember that time that you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so these words, these uh, transgressions and sins are kind of synonyms. They, not cinnamon, synonyms. They mean the same thing, but it also kind of refers to the sins that we have done and our, our sinful nature, the, the sinfulness that we are. And so Paul says you're dead because of that. You were dead because of that. There's a finality to death. There's an there's a eternal nature to death. There's an inescapable nature to death. And Paul says that's what we were. Dead. And so Paul says those who uh, were dead, this is, this is not a physical death. He's saying to those who, who were alive and are still alive, and it's unlikely that the entire church at Ephesus had died and been raised back to life. Uh, had been raised from the dead. He's saying to people that are physically alive that you used to be dead. And what he's touching on here is that if we're outside of faith in Jesus, if we're outside of relationship with Him, we can walk around like we're alive, but really, in a spiritual sense, we're dead. That there's an emptiness, a, a finality to who we are in a spiritual sense that outside of Jesus, we're dead. So Paul wants to recall that happy memory for us and he says all of us. He's not just pointing the finger at others. He says, remember that you were dead in your sins. But then he goes on to say, all of us lived amongst them at one time. This is the nature of all people at one point is that all of us were dead in our transgressions and sins. Last week we spoke about the cross. For those who are here, we spoke about the cross being the great dividing line of humanity, that it divides people into two groups, two mutually exclusive exclusive groups. A group of those who are being saved and a group of those who are perishing. And we talked about how those different groups see something different when they look at the cross, but here Paul's saying is that all of us once were in the perishing group. The worst of sinners, the most horrible of people and the people that we think are are kind of good people, all of us were once in that group of people who are perishing. In January, I remember that we had a a couple testimonies of people sharing their transition from their old life to their new life, their their old life before they knew and followed Jesus to their new life when, when they were being shaped and healed and and, and made new by Jesus, and, and that was their testimony of shifting from death to life. But Paul says here is that is the story of all of us. 
as we mentioned last week, that's Paul's story. He was definitely in the camp of those who looked at the cross and saw foolishness and was perishing. And, and then he met Jesus and crossed over into those who were being saved through the cross and resurrection. But, but that's not just Paul's story. It's not just the story of those who shared their testimony in January. That is all of our stories. We were once dead. It's your story. It's, it's my story. And Paul wants us to remember. And Paul says there's three influences that lead us into this uh, sinful transgression state that that cause us to be dead. Uh, The first is that we follow the ways of the world. The world and its cultural influence leads us towards sin. We live in an environment of sin and sin is contagious in a sense. And so we, we sin because we follow the ways of the world. In fact, it's so inescapable We can't be in the world apart from Jesus and not be sinful. He also says that we follow the ways of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That is a reference to our spiritual adversary. That is a reference to Satan. And so the kingdom of the air is is a euphemism for the spiritual realm. And so Paul says that We're led towards sin by the world or the culture around us. We're led towards sin by Satan as well. And and the words used here in the Greek essentially mean that Satan energizes sin. That Satan kind of puts fire on the fire of sinful passion in our life. Peter, one of the other apostles in 1 Peter 5.8 says, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our sinfulness is given energy and vitality by Satan. And the final thing, though, that, that Paul mentions that, that leads us towards sin is our own flesh. It says, all of us lived amongst them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, or sometimes that's translated sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. And, and so we don't get to say, well, the world led me to do it, or Satan led me to do it, though they influenced us towards sin, because our own flesh leads us there. Our own fallen human nature leads us towards sin. We have inherited the sin contagion. And so Paul says, like the rest, like every other person in the history of humanity, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So this isn't some unfortunate accident that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. It's not some mishap of history. It is what we deserved. We deserved all of God's punishment to be poured out upon us, His wrath. And it's not that God's a cranky God. It's that He's a holy God and cannot abide sin. And in fact, it's, if God could abide sin, if He didn't do something about sin, we would be stuck in the final state of being dead. It's, it's God's holiness that leads to a solution for sin. And so we're like the rest, we're all deserving of wrath. Paul says, remember that time? For some of us, it might have been last week. For, for some of us, it might have been 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. But Paul, in his letter, wants us to remember that time that we were dead in our sins and transgressions. And this is really jarring in the flow of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He's just been talking about, if we just read the headings of what comes before, 
prays for spiritual blessing in Christ, which says, just going to read from verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Then, then the next heading in my translation at verse 15 is about a thanksgiving prayer and, and, and Paul's praying this great prayer of praise and thanksgiving to God and then he says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. This is jarring in the flow of Paul's letter to the Ephesians church and it's intended to be jarring for us as well. In the midst of speaking of what Jesus has done, Paul wants us to remember where we were and who we were. We were dead because of who we were, sinful, deserving wrath. And then Paul says, but. But. See, that's not the end of the story. That's why we're here this morning, because that's not the end of the story. Paul reminds us of the darkness of our past condition so that the glory of his grace might shine more brightly. Paul reminds us of our bondage to sin that we might feel the freedom from it more fully. Paul reminds us of the power of the enemy so that the power of Jesus to overcome the enemy might be made clear. Paul reminds us of our death so that we might be able to more fully embrace the life he has given us in Jesus. Paul says, remember that you were dead, but God. And there's so many situations in life that our entire life is a but God story. And so as I was looking over my notes again this morning and clarifying them a little bit, um, I just really felt like there's, there's some of us here this morning or at least one person that, that that's all you need to take away from this morning is that, but God, that there's a situation in your life that seems hopeless, it's like the finality of death, but God's word would want to say to you, but God. And so I just want to encourage you that as big as your situation might seem, as big as the challenge might seem, I just want to say, but God, but God is bigger, God is stronger, God is wiser, He's more loving, but God. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but God has made us alive with Christ. So Paul goes on in Ephesians 2, 4 and 7 to say, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so here is the emphasis of this entire passage, that in the midst of our transgressions and sins, but God, in the midst of our transgressions and sins and, and being dead in them and being objects of wrath, God, through Jesus, has made us alive with Christ. This is the, the meaning of, of this entire passage. There's three things from God that, that overcome the three things that lead us towards sin. He speaks of God's great love for us. But God, because of His great love, 
He speaks of God being rich in mercy, but God, because He is rich in mercy. And He speaks of God's incomparable richness of grace. We have been made alive with Christ. Sometimes I get uh, the tense of you know, past tense, present tense, future tense mixed up when I'm writing things and, um, and I'll have to go back through my notes and I realise I've written um, you know, the wrong tense in everything and I've got it all muddled up and, and I'll be say, Jesus said and then I'll say he's, he's saying and all of that. But, but Paul's very clear about his tense here. He says, we have been made alive with Christ. He hasn't muddled it up like I do at times. He, he's not saying, uh, in the future, after we die, we will be made alive again and get to go to heaven, or more theologically correct, we'll get to live in the new heaven and earth. Paul's not muddled his tense. He means to say, we have been made alive with Christ. We have been. This is not something we're waiting for. It's a past event. Because we've been made alive with Christ. Our death ended with the resurrection of Jesus. Our death ended when the stone was rolled away from Jesus' tomb and when Jesus walked from that tomb in resurrected life. That's when our death ended. It's applied to our own life when we believe in the cross and resurrection, when we believe in Jesus, that truth, that reality is applied to our own life in that moment, but, but when our death ended is when the stone was rolled away. When your death ended was when the stone was rolled away. It's not something you're waiting for. It's something that happened about 2,000 years ago. We have been made alive with Christ. But we've not just been raised, it says we've been seated with Christ in heavenly realms. See, this isn't just a, a thing that we wait for at the end of time, and it's, it's also not just a raised to an ordinary life. We have been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly realms with Him. In chapter 1, in verses 18 to, to 23, in, in one of those kind of high prayers of praise and, uh, and thanksgiving to God moments, Paul says this, he says, I pray, he's praying this over the Ephesians church, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so Paul has said of Jesus in his resurrection, that he wasn't just raised back to life. He didn't get just have his life restored the same way it was. It's not a resurrection like Lazarus. If, you, if you're familiar with the Gospels, Lazarus was dead for, for four days total, if we add it all up. And, and um, it's not a resurrection like his, though, because Raz, Lazarus was just raised back to life. 
to the same life he had. He had his life restored and he went back to normal. And uh, I believe, God might show me wrong when um, the new heavens and the new earth comes, but I believe Lazarus died again. So Paul goes to great pains in Ephesians 1 to say, Jesus wasn't just raised back to life. He was raised up and seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly realms. He was raised above every power and authority, every rule and reign. All things were placed under his feet. That, that in his resurrection, Jesus went not just from death to life, but from death restored to his reigning over all of the universe that he created. That he was exalted, to use the language from Ephesians that we'll be talking about in a few weeks' time. And so Paul goes to great pains to say that of Jesus in Ephesians 1. And then in Ephesians 2, he says of us, But because of his great love and mercy for us, God who is rich, sorry, God, great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so we might walk around here on earth, we might physically still be present here, but spiritually, in God's eyes, we are seated in heavenly realms. We are seated in heaven in Christ Jesus. And here's why that's important. We were dead in our transgressions and sins because of the sinful cravings and desires and thoughts of our flesh. But now our flesh has been nailed to the cross and we died with Jesus. Just as we were raised with Him, we died with Him. And so the flesh that led us to sin, the sinful nature that led us towards sin and transgression, is dead. When we put our trust in Jesus... We are in Christ, we're with Christ on the cross and the sinful nature that leads us towards sin has been crucified with Him. We're dead in our transgressions and sins because we follow the ways of the world. But now we aren't of this world because we have been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly realms in Him. And so though we walk around this world, we're not of this world, we're, we're no longer influenced if we're in Jesus by the world around us because we're called to be influenced by the heaven and the world around us there. In the spiritual realm, we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. We were dead in our transgressions and sins because the power of the devil over our life to lead us towards sin. But now we've been placed with Christ far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked in the present age and the age to come. See, we are with Jesus. We are no longer subject to the powers and authorities of this world. We're no longer uh, subject to the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We are not just raised like Lazarus. We are raised like Jesus, in Him and with Him and seated in heavenly realm. Now, Paul speaks of, uh, 
in order that the, in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And, and so Paul acknowledges that there's, there's a more full experience of this reality to come. There's a, a greater knowing, a greater seeing, as he says in Corinthians. We know in part, we see in part, but later we will know in full and see in full. That there is a greater experience of this to come, but Paul is not messing up his tenses here. We were dead, now we have been raised with Christ. And not just raised, but seated in heavenly realms. That's why in Colossians, he says, fix your eyes not on things below, but on things above, because that is where we exist in the spiritual reality. The point is that it is finished. Through the cross and resurrection, God has provided all that we needed for our salvation. Through the cross and resurrection, God has provided all that we needed to overcome the power of sin in our life. He has conquered the sinful nature of our flesh. He has lifted us from this world and its influence and He has overcome the power of Satan in our life. And so Jesus has accomplished everything. It is finished. And so Paul wants us to remember not just that we were dead... He wants to remember that time that Jesus was nailed to a cross. And he wants you to know that that was your death. Jesus experienced all of the suffering and pain and torment and torture. But that was your death. You might die another physical death if you um, don't last long enough for Jesus to return. But you will not die another spiritual death. As Jesus said to the sisters of Lazarus, those who believe in him may die, but they will never die. So John wants us to remember that Jesus was resurrected. He was raised to life and seated in heavenly realms and he wants us to know that that was our own resurrection. Jesus was raised to life and that was your resurrection. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, but we have been made alive with Christ. We deserve death and wrath, but we've been saved. And so the normal thing for us to ask if we weren't so um, entrenched in, in the church uh, for most of us and, and, and biblical teaching and haven't done so many laps around Easter, the normal thing for us to ask would be, what on earth have we possibly done to, do, to have deserved this? this salvation that has come from God. And so the answer that we know, um, or hopefully that we know, and, and I want to remind us of this morning, is that we've been saved by grace. The, the answer that Paul gives is that we've done nothing to deserve this. He says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so what have we done to deserve this? Nothing. I have done nothing to deserve God's grace. You have done nothing 
to deserve God's grace. So this word grace means it's the the free gift of God. It it means that this salvation is given completely free. It means that it's completely undeserved. And and Paul goes to great lengths to say that, that this is not something that you did. This salvation through Jesus' cross and resurrection is not something that you did. It's not from yourselves, it's, gift, it's the gift of God. It's, it's not by works so that no one can boast. No one can take pride in, no one can celebrate, no one can trust in, as we talked about last week, our own effort or work in order to receive this transition from death to life. Not by works so that no one can boast. And then Paul says, though, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so just as the world and the the devil and our flesh lead us towards sin, this salvation in Jesus has an outflow, an overflow of behavior, and that's good works. That that we are, as followers of Jesus, called to to do good works, to behave in a way that represents uh, God's holiness and his righteousness in the world, but Paul wants to make it clear that that is not what we have done to to achieve salvation. That is what we do as the product of our salvation. And and I believe in the context of this, the, the primary good work that Paul has in mind is letting other people know and bringing them into an understanding of this salvation of letting other people know that they're they're dead but have the opportunity of life in Jesus. Bringing other people into the kingdom. So our worship team are going to come up. Paul wants us to remember... Just like Facebook wants us to remember, um, their motive is to get us to spend more time on Facebook and see more ads so they make more money. But Paul has a different motive. He wants us to remember that we were dead, but now alive. Paul wants us to remember the darkness so that we might see the light. Paul wants us to remember our death so that we might see and embrace our life in Him more fully. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but you have been made alive in Christ, more completely and more fully than you could ever comprehend. And all of this is by nothing else but the amazing grace of God.